Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Monday, January 10th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bolger. And I'm Brett Gittiman. And we come to you three times a week and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We are reading John's Gospel, and we're going to look at some of the appearances of Jesus and what we can learn about him as Messiah in those texts. But before we get to that, let's begin with prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, as we come to your word to learn and to grow in you, may we glimpse a new view of the Messiah, or may we be reminded of a, new, of a glimpse of a Messiah that we have not seen in a long time. Reveal yourself to us. Make known your love and your compassion and your grace and your care. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Our reading today is from the second chapter of John's Gospel, verses 1 through 11. Listen to these familiar words. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Tara, we are, you know, just over a week here into the new year. How are you doing with your resolutions so far? Really badly. That's <laughs> how I'm doing. Um, I am finding that it's hard to turn the ship around. And what I mean by that is I'm still eating like it's Christmas holidays. <laughs> and I am sleeping late. So that means when I wake up in the morning, I'm not getting the time in I wanted for my study and prayer. So, but again, I intend to fail forward. Um, hopefully you it got, will get better. You got 360 or yeah. 355 days to, to work, to, to, to <laughs> right. write that ship. So I think you're on. How that. about yours? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I'm doing, you know, the thing I told you, I'm doing no bread, no potatoes this month with, with a buddy of mine. We always do some sort of, you know, month of sadness. For, That's uh, what I January. call it. <laughs> yeah. Hell as, as some call it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> exactly on literally... what Jesus meant in the Bible, <laughs> there's a place 
with no There's potatoes and no bread. <laughs> but literally day three, he texted me and was like, are we quitting? Like, are, is it, are we giving up? <laughs> because this, this is so much worse than last year when we did no caffeine and no alcohol. And I was like, it's day three. We gotta, we gotta push through a little further. That's hilarious. But the, I love the, that. the difference between the last year and this year was last year, it was like a, it was a simply saying no to something. Whereas yeah. this year, like you have to be conscious and plan ahead of either going to a restaurant or meal planning of like, it just seems like everything has bread or potatoes in it in some form or another. So it's just the consciousness of it is what makes it this one so much harder than last year. Yeah, it requires some planning. Yeah, and planning's the worst. Isn't it though? <laughs> but to our scripture, um, as you mentioned, our sermon series that we have begun and are continuing is entitled Encounters with the Messiah and the Gospel of John. What does this particular encounter tell us about Jesus, the Messiah? I think um, to answer this question, I want to get at it first by talking about John's gospel generally. Mm-hmm. So um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, um, have kind of the same worldview in a way. Um, John's gospel is different in that we see that John really focuses on the idea that um, encountering Jesus will reveal to us who God is and what God cares about. I think another hallmark of John's gospel is that John really believes in the idea of Jesus's love, but that love is not an emotion. That love is an action taken on behalf of people in the community. And so, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, we see that borne out in the salvific gift that we get in the death of Jesus. So if we look at it through that lens in particular, um, we have this idea that love in this passage is really about um, keeping the party going on behalf of the community. I think of the old thing about, you know, the shame that would have been experienced if they had truly run out of wine. Um, And since that was a culture that was really invested in honor and its opposite shame, it could have been devastating for that young couple to have not been able to extend hospitality. So we see Jesus doing this thing that he didn't plan to do. Um, but that really keeps this, this party alive. And that's just one level, like every story, I think in John, more than any of the other gospels has is what is uh, multivalent, so many different meanings. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think what we see is um, Jesus probably didn't come to the wedding thinking that he was going to begin his ministry with his first sign here in his humanity, but he realizes a need. And he offers this incredible gift. And if that doesn't sum up the gospel and foreshadow all that will come, I'm not sure what does. Tell me what you think when you read this and what it tells you about Jesus. And he does, he does it all in the first story. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive yeah. that Jesus guy. Uh, I know, up. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, as, as we've, I think we're, this is our third, our third sermon in this series. And we kind of started out with, John the Baptist announcing the way, and then we have um, 
the introduction and the calling of the disciples, but this is really the first uh, glimpse we have of the the historical person of Jesus. You know, we had the word and the word became flesh at the very beginning, but this is the beginning. This is a really our first meeting of, of Jesus and the wider culture. It's, it's as you said, uh, kind of a surprising, possibly even for him, uh, beginning to his ministry. He's called his disciples, uh, but this is this is really the uh, announcement. And so to the to your point about the Gospel of John, um, the Gospel of John is not uh, is 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 hitting it right off at the beginning. Um, you know, in in several of the other Gospels, we kind of have Jesus who um, retreats almost from his messiahship at the beginning of his ministry, and then it kind of grows throughout it. Um, you had this messianic secret, and some of the others where Jesus tells people, uh, you know, don't tell others that what you have seen today. In John's gospel, we have um, Jesus making it very clear, or the author making it very clear that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And that is happening right here at the very beginning. He is setting the tone for what this gospel is going to be throughout the entire, that Jesus is one who comes to save. Uh, and I, I hadn't thought about what you mentioned earlier of, of the, the beautiful uh, Jesus saves us not only, you know, in, in a salvific way and in, in a holistic body and spiritual way, but in this instance, he, he rescues the community uh, from, from a point of shame. And I think that is a, a beautiful look at it. Yeah, I think, and you know, I think in the sermon that will, that is on this text, there's a whole different way to look at this, but the idea that, um, God is someone who can bring goodness even at the very end, hmm. even when we think there's no goodness left, even when the wine has given out, Jesus Christ is someone who can bring goodness and love and community and all the things that go with that into our world. Um, and John's gospel, again, as a whole, is very much into this idea that um, when we see Jesus, we see the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. And we should be a people who at the last, when all hope is lost, when the community is about to suffer some sort of devastation or even discomfort, that we should be a people like Christ who can bring goodness and grace and love even into that. Hmm. I, I, uh, I was, I mean, I was studying and reading for this. I saw a, um, I saw a point that, you know, the gospel of John is, is, is less linear, like the synoptics, as you mentioned before, but more circular. It kind of has all these concentric circles thrown it of all these arcs that are happening throughout it. Uh, and this one is fascinating because it's both kind of the, the end of the beginning of, of Jesus begin the end of the beginning of Jesus's ministry of calling his disciples and, and starting on this way. And then at the same time, it's the very beginning of his signs of showing who he is. And, and it's just, I mean, the gospel of John is so complex. There's so much, you know, as you alluded to, you know, there are about a thousand different ways we could talk about this passage because there is so much being revealed about the Messiah in it it was written so much later than the others. So if I'm going to tell you the story of the first 25 years of my life now, as a person who's almost 50, I can look back and find themes and stories that illuminate those themes that I really want to bring out. Whereas it, I would have told you a different story of my first 25 years at age 30. 
It's a great. So all that to say, I'm aging rapidly, Brett. (laughs) Um, And we will close uh, with the author, Annie Dillard, who has said, the answer must be, I think, that beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will or sense them. The least we can do is try to be there. Thank you all for being with us. We hope you join us again on Wednesday as we dig into a psalm. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever upon you. Amen. Amen.